Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier is sponsored by Soul Shepherding. We're thankful to our donors who provide this ministry to thousands of people each week. We're so glad you're joining our conversation. Today's podcast is part of a mini-series on courage. To have courage is to have a brave spirit in difficulty, danger, or pain. The Lord urges us in Deuteronomy 31.6 of the Message Version, Be strong, take courage, because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. We all face difficult circumstances and need to take courage from the Lord and the soul shepherds He provides us. We pray you can take courage from this episode of Soul Talks. Welcome to Soul Talks, friends. We love hearing from you. are so honored that you join us for Soul Talks. We heard from the Rogers in Washington, D.C. It's fun to hear that eight years ago, they said they discovered our ministry online and they've enjoyed our website, our articles, our book, and our podcasts. And thank you. They also have said that they recommended them to others because it's been a blessing to them. And we love especially hearing that they have a sense of a joint calling in ministry. And they said, so we've been blessed by how you beautifully do your ministry as a married couple. And that's our joy and our, our hope is that God will use us to call other couples to become soul shepherds and to be soul shepherds in there where the Lord's got them placed. Married couples and soul friends, partners, it's, we're, we're better when we do ministry together. That's right. <laughs> Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs for their mission trips. So wise. Because we need each other. That's and for because sure. Because God is most powerfully revealed through relationships. Mm. Because God is a relationship. That's good. Yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Yeah. So uh, thank you, friends, for joining us. And we hope that uh, if you're not listening with a friend, that you will uh, process and debrief with a friend afterwards and that you will continue to pray for your relationships that God will bless and. Uh, Uh, empower your relationships for his glory and to minister to others. We are today, we are beginning a a mini series on courage. And today we're talking about uh, failure is not fatal. We saw The Darkest Hour, the movie about Winston Churchill this weekend. And at the end of the movie, there was this quote on the screen. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And those are Winston Churchill's words, and he embodied those. And uh, thank God that he did, because he, he God used him, and he was key to stop the uh, the uh, Nazi Germany uh, regime from potentially taking over the world. So it was really, really a big deal. And, and we were inspired by him and his leadership in such uh, dark times in England. It was a very scary time. England almost, almost fell to Hitler showed a great responsibility that he had. And also, I think sometimes the the loneliness of being a leader, which we've mm-hmm. talked about before as well. I often said I would love to see, and, and hopefully, you know, in eternity I will, just the whole spiritual battle that was going on, everything yeah. from God's perspective there. But we enjoyed, you know, seeing played out how Churchill got to participate, you know, in, in what God was doing here on earth and that victory, but also the, the failures 
because he had failure in his life too, as well as, you know, being used greatly and courageously at that time. And I wonder, Bill, did you have any um, emotional response after, after watching and thinking and processing this? Well, I admired him as a leader, you know, and, and uh, that, you know, he, um, and in spite of his great success that he had had, um, uh, many aspects of his life, but then now here in this, this critical hour, he, he felt like he was failing mm-hmm. at times. And it's just a, uh, uh, such an astonishing thing that I, I know, but it's just constantly reminded of it that really pretty much every pastor and leader I talk with feels like they're not successful enough and has times where emotionally they feel like they're failing or they feel inadequate and discouraged. Yeah, you know, that's been a surprise to me because, you know, I tend to look at these leaders and, you know, see them on the stage at their church or hear them, you know, on the internet or videos. And, you know, it's easy to project these ideals into them or to admire, you know, what they've done and what they're doing for the Lord. And, you know, you it's easy to forget that they feel like they're failing at times too. And so that helps me because that's how I feel. Sometimes I feel discouraged and like I'm not doing enough or doing good enough and feel like I'm failing. And I, I know that's not really true. And uh, thankfully, that's not something that buries me in shame or paralyzes me in depression and helplessness, but there are uh, nagging feelings that, that can nip at me. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, the father of lies comes in, the, the accuser, and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's part of the picture of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's really good wording, honey. Nagging, you know, nipping <laughs> accusations that, that are kind of biting on you. Yeah, because, you know, we live in a world where we're, we're constantly seeing other people and uh, whether it's personally or social media or uh, all, all sorts of different things that we read and hear about, it's, we're tempted to be comparing ourselves. And it's just endless what we can do to improve our home, to be more successful as a pastor in our church, to have a, a healthier marriage and family, to, to look, look better. And there, there's so many different ways that we can measure ourselves and feel like we're coming up short. What helps you when you're feeling that way? Well, yesterday you helped me when I was feeling some some of this um, biting failure coming at my my ankles and my my feet, and uh, was feeling discouraged. And you, uh, you know, you prayed for me quietly, even as you heard me in the morning. I was singing Psalm one thirty one. My my heart has no lofty ambitions, Lord. My eyes do not look too high. I do not concern myself with great affairs. And so you told me later that you started praying for me that God would help me with my uh, my ambitions mm-hmm. and the the drive, the, the type A leader in me that wants to be more successful mm-hmm. and can can feel like I'm not doing enough, not achieving enough. And so you prayed for me, and then. Later that day, when I was under some temptation, because you know it was a Sabbath day, and I was resting and, and not working and not accomplishing things, and so then the inner uh, temptations and uh, any sense of unfulfillment that we might have, or any, any boredom, any uh, disappointment, distress in our life, it, it will come up. That's part of the point mm-hmm. of Sabbath. That's why I do that every week and take a full day. You know, usually 
take a nap or a rest or be still, have some hours in solitude on a run or a walk and, and just not, not being productive. And so uh, then you, you listened to me and empathized with me and uh, then you came back to me later and it just gave me some powerful affirmations of how you see the Lord using me and the significance of my life and, and my ministry. And, and so many of the things that you were describing to me, Christy, were, they were the, the little things, the, the relational things, you know, and that's really what's the most significant about our life. We can lose sight of that and we start to look at the outward things. Well, I was so grateful and honored that you shared with me, honey. And I felt sad for you with how you were viewing yourself and judging yourself and under those accusations as if you'd failed. Um, And yet sometimes we, you know, and that was a case where it was very clear to me I didn't see you as a failure. You know, I could see that you hadn't failed. But sometimes there's areas where we, we actually do fail. And it's, it is evident and clear. And it's not just a matter of looking at a perspective that's like a, um, an expectation that we have for ourselves that we couldn't meet. And so we're feeling like a failure, even though maybe we didn't fail from somebody else's perspective. But it's a, it really is a big failure, and it really does feel fatal. And we, we've seen that with some of the pastors that we work with, where they've, they've lost their pulpit, they've lost their church, they lost their job, and they feel like they've failed totally and completely. And yet it's been such a gift to be able to see and journey with them that from God's perspective, it, it's not fatal. He, he's not done with them. He still has important and, and fruitful ministry for them. Right, even even when the pastor that burned out, or another pastor that had some leadership issues, and uh, and so that's what happened there. Uh, another pastor made some mistakes in in his preaching. I mean, you know, there's just all kinds of different reasons why a, a pastor might lose his position, uh, uh, why men and women in ministry lose their their ministry, and they have to move on. Uh, these these things happen, and sometimes it's just an injustice. Sometimes we have some participation in that. Sometimes there's a moral failing that's that's significant. Uh, but these failures are not fatal. They are not the last word. Yeah, I, I'm so grateful. I think also, too, about just the, as a mother, how many times I felt like a failure. How many times I actually did fail my kids. I failed to be the mother I wanted to be. I failed to respond with them with love or patience or what they needed at the time. And yet it wasn't fatal. I, I'm so grateful that God gave me that courage to continue and to get back up and to tr- take his hand and continue to do the best I could in, as a mother, even though I would just had a failure and I lost my temper or I just had a failure and I, you know, hadn't been there for him. I remember one time coming home from the grocery store with our youngest daughter and our middle child had been dropped off from ballet class and nobody was home. The house was locked. I mean, that wasn't a failure, you know. But thankfully, it wasn't fatal. God's grace was there. And actually, a church member who was a neighbor saw her crying and, and took care of her till I got there, left a note on the door. But, I mean, I failed. I wasn't there for her. Um, but God in His grace, you know, wasn't final. 
Because God redeems it, and we thank God for community and for a neighbor in this case, and uh, the, the, you know the angels, Jenny's guardian angel that helped keep her safe, and uh, so God worked it for good, and now now it's a story that uh, we can look back on and, and laugh about, and so forth. But but uh, yeah, at the time you were uh, discouraged and mm-hmm. judging yourself about that. Even just yesterday, you got triggered with that uh, situation that came up in, in the family and uh, left you feeling like, well, you know, I'm just not uh, a, a great mom here. And you know that's not true, but yet those were the emotions those that were... were the emotions I felt. Yeah, definitely. And you listened to me in that, and I appreciated that. You needed empathy. You and did? I think that's yeah. a big thing that uh, a lot of you who are listening might uh, miss, is that when you have times that you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling inadequate, you're feeling like you're not succeeding, you're not attractive enough, you're not accomplishing enough, or even feeling like a failure, you know, what do you do with that? Sometimes we want to just deny those feelings, we want to just like reassure ourselves, or maybe maybe uh, when someone that you care about, your spouse, your uh, your friend or child is is feeling discouraged. Maybe what you do to help them is you reassure them, you cheerlead. Oh, you know, you're you're not you're not um, messing up here. You're you're doing great. Let me show you all the great things that you're doing. And uh, we have good intentions with that. But we're actually invalidating the emotion. Mm-hmm. And the first step is to really listen to how somebody feels and help them put words to the experience and help them experience that they're they're not alone with that feeling. And that's that's what empathy does. We we're we're really connecting and offering our, our heart to, to be with the person who is hurting. It's so important that, that makes a person such a great ambassador of Christ to offer that empathy to remind us that we're not alone, that God is with us in our grief or in our sense of um, of in, insecurity and inadequacy. But that that's not the it's not the last word. It's not the whole picture. Because when we're in that kind of a relational connection, uh, so like yesterday when you were empathizing with me, and um, you know I felt I felt understood. I felt like I wasn't alone. I felt a sense of significance because you cared for me. I felt God's presence in that. That that God was. Uh, uh, stooping down from heaven, so to speak, and looking into my life and my heart with eyes of compassion through you. And so that was giving me a sense of, of dignity. And then later, when you came and offered me some words of encouragement, it wasn't, it wasn't reassurance. It, you were making observations about ways that you see God living and breathing in my life and ways that you see God using me. And, and you know, there are things that I know but uh, to have you point them out in specificity with, with examples and with a tender heart and in the context of, of this listening and empathy that you gave me, it, it was really giving me a, a, a shot of a adrenaline into my soul, mm-hmm. a whole, Holy Spirit uh, activation and uh, inspiration and empowerment. It's like, yes, my, my life matters. And, and the, 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 the difference maker in my life isn't the the numbers of books sold and, and people coming to our website and all, all those things. I mean, every person that visits and receives help, that, that matters, but that's not the, the metric. Mm-hmm. The, the measurement is a, a life of love mm-hmm. in which God is living and breathing in us and we're, we're loving people around us 
And a lot of that's uh, unseen stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's behind the scenes. And certainly that's the case in our ministry because we're supporting pastors and, and leaders uh, in an office and, and uh, taking a, a prayer walk together and in a small group. And it's a pretty hidden thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus's ministry was the same. It's, it seems like God's way, his kingdom, it, it's so often so hidden, the goodness, the it doesn't always look like a success. It often looks like a failure. Jesus's ministry so so much, I think, looked like a failure from the way we judge it. Even the way that that entry on Palm Sunday, you know, the, the crowds having so much expectation of the success of overthrowing Rome, that he, he was coming, save us, you know, that they were calling out to him and expecting him to do. And then he's crucified. He dies. You know, the disciples must have felt like he failed when they, you know, were in the the upper room, you know, and trying to make sense of it all and what happened. They must have felt like, well, he, he failed. And yet we know now it was definitely not a failure. Greatest success ever. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's true in the spiritual life. Yeah, well, we had a pastor come to us for one of our recent... Um, the uh, Soul Shepherding Apprenticeship that we began in January. I think uh, some of you listeners know that we do a two-year program in spiritual formation and soul care ministry. It's a, an apprenticeship in soul shepherding. And we had a, a new friend that we've met uh, who is a pastor in Indonesia, and he's been a longtime church pastor, and now he works with uh, other uh, pastors in Indonesia, helping them to reach the Muslims for Christ and has a fantastic ministry of coaching and training there. And he found soul shepherding by doing a search on sabbatical because he needed a sabbatical and he used our sabbatical guide for pastors and leaders that we've recently been talking about on our Soul Talks podcast. And so that's how we began relationship with him. And then he decided to join in on our our apprenticeship program and so happy to really be getting to know him and share his life and uh, his ministry, and wow, what an impact he had in, in that week with us is just being unplugged from from email and social media and all responsibilities and stuff of life and making a big space for his soul and his intimacy with God, uh, a space of, of learning, a space of experience, a space of rest. And uh, one of the big impacts that he had was just the a tremendous appreciation of the smile of Jesus over him, because we talked about our image of God, how we, how we understand and perceive and experience God, and what Jesus shows us. And as the Lord would have it, our, our friend was, uh, without realizing it, sitting right underneath the picture of the radiant, smiling Jesus. <laughs> and he realized that later. And you remember what he said about when he first saw that picture? It was yeah, on the cover of the he notebook. didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, and what didn't he like about it? Yeah, he he just thought it was too much. He thought it was like, oh, that that's Jesus isn't that that happy. And what's this? It was really disarming to him to see that. And uh, that ended up being one of the things that the Lord really used is he just meditated on that artist drawing of Jesus and. Uh, you know, he said, uh, no one ever delighted in me like that. Mm. But to realize, no, it's true. In Jesus, God is delighting in me. And so important. Loving me like that. 
And so he had this great sense of the, the presence of the Lord in warmth and in empathy. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was a huge insight for him when he heard me say, well, what is the incarnation of Christ if, it's, if not perfect empathy? And that just really made him come undone because as a leader, he's been driving and charging and often struggling with feeling like he's failing uh, in spite of all the ways that God has used him. It feels like it can never be enough. And a lot of that for him is this lack of empathy that he's had throughout his life, particularly as a child, being uh, abused by his dad, who was a rageaholic and an alcoholic, and uh, seeing his um, dad abuse his mom, and just the vicarious... We did a, a podcast and devotional recently on vicarious trauma, and he's an example of that, because as a child, you know, he saw his, his mom get, get beaten, and he saw his dad pull out a gun, and you know, growing up in the country, and uh, asserting his authority, and thinking it was a good thing to get the kids scared of him, and, uh, you know, all this, even in a Christian home. So uh, he, a lot of healing that, that he's needed, and that's some of the work that he's done with us, and such a key for him, the compassion of the Lord through, through a person who listens and understands and is patient and tender. Well, we want to continue this discussion based on this, this quote, success and failure and courage, because there's a lot here for us in life. And so many of the great leaders of our Christian history, you know, have shown that failure is not final. We see that in so many cases in scripture. Bill and I just recently saw this again in the life of John Wesley when we were back in Georgia mm-hmm. and we went to some of his sites there and you know he he basically failed in his time in America and Georgia you know he came with all the aspirations to reach the Indians and the Native Americans and he he basically failed at a number of things that he tried to do here and yet it wasn't fatal you know God had this this great ministry for him that's left this great inspiration that we've taken heart from in his life. Yeah, he came back to England and one of the greatest Christians in history, what God did with him there, and then coming, returning to America. And it came out of that time of failure and the sense of distance from God personally and experientially as he met the, the Moravians on the ship in the storm there and saw their intimacy with the Lord and the way that they sang joyful songs of worship to God, even in a life-threatening storm on the ship and they realized they had a, a tenderness and a, a, a trust and a closeness with God that he didn't have and that he, he needed. And so that opened him up to a, a, a deeper conversion. His heart was strangely warmed and then that became the love of God uh, in, in our hearts and then reaching out to others, loving our neighbors became the, the drumbeat of his ministry and he reached the minors uh, there, the, the coal miners in England and the poor and all of the uh, people who were being kept out of the Church of England at the time. And so, wow, uh, dozens, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people over a course of many years came to Christ through the ministry of John Wesley. And if it hadn't been for his failure, um, but then him bringing that discouragement to Jesus and to some trusted soul shepherds who were listeners and mentors to him. If he hadn't 
leaned into that sense of failure, right. there wouldn't have been all that success no, that's right. that came. And yet even John Wesley along the way didn't feel like he was succeeding. <laughs> you know, we have this perspective right. not to look back, Yeah. but you know, we, we see him, he's going to preach somewhere thinking nobody's going to come, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and then, you know, a bunch of people come. Yeah. So. Jesus, we are so thankful that you do not leave us in our failures. We're so grateful that you meet us with your grace, with your love, empathy, compassion. You you join us there. You come to us and you lift us up and you continue your good work in us and even through us. So Lord, we pray that you would protect us from avoiding those senses of failure and distracting from them and from anesthetizing them or from sinking down into shame and letting it paralyze us and take us out. But you would help us to look to you when we feel like a failure and trust your resurrection in our lives for your glory. Amen. Amen. We love having you part of our Soul Shepherding family. You can stay connected to us through our weekly devotional email, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. And we appreciate you telling your friends about Soul Shepherding.